Equal footing with Dove Tuzman. We have an exciting show in store for you. We're going to take the gloves off. The topic today is God and the Core Curriculum, the challenge of secular education in traditional communities. Two amazing guests, educators, activists, here in the studio with me. Yochevitz Seidoff is an educator, a writer, a filmmaker, a social entrepreneur. In the last decade, she founded and led a grassroots movement for education reform in the Jewish community, in the religious world here in the New York area. The school that came out of it, Lamplighter's Yeshiva, which I had the honor to, for years, be involved with in supporting Yochevet's mission, gained international acclaim at the nexus of the topic tonight. She lives with her husband and five children in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Welcome, Yochavid. We also have here in the studio an erudite gentleman, Ellie Polterak. Ellie is an attorney, a community activist in Crown Heights as well. Prior to practicing law, he received Simcha, taught in the Lubavitch Yeshiva in Toronto, and Liet led a Yeshiva in Israel. He's a graduate of Columbia Law School, and he's previously served on the board of the Crown Heights Jewish Community Council and other community institutions. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you, Dove. Good evening. All right. Let's start with the basics. The challenge of secular education in traditional communities. Now, all three of us here in the studio in New York, we're all Jewish, but this isn't a Jewish issue. This is about how do we preserve, I think, traditional values, whatever that tradition might be. might be that we're in a religious context coming from the Mormon church or being Jehovah's Witnesses or from a very strongly devout Buddhist community or, or Islamic community. It's about how do we navigate educating our children in a traditional context but living in the world in, in a secular reality. At least that's what I think it's about. You'll have it. You started a school that was really kind of on the cutting edge of having to frontally address this issue with no 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 excuses, no uh, no subterfuge. What, what was that about? Tell us about Lamplighters and is what I just described one of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, so Lamplighters really was an attempt to answer that question. Is there a divide between, quote-unquote, religious moral studies and secular studies, world studies. And in so many ways, um, children who are raised in a world um, where there is some strong sense of identity, traditions, morals, experience a fragmentation. There's the outside world, and then there's the inside world. There's my community practice, and there's what other people do. And that kind of fragmentation sometimes uh, contributes to sort of inner breaking. Who am I really? Mm-hmm. And how do I in some way synchronize these different parts of myself and who I am in the world? And so Lamplighters, we try to answer that challenge by saying, well, maybe that divide is actually artificial. Mm. 
and in essence it really is one world and it's all God's world and so that we can learn about English and math and science and social studies and it's not um, studies that in some way challenge our cultural religious identity but actually are part of that same mindset and and way of being. You talk about the two worlds, Yochavet, and I think probably everybody listening to this program, whatever familial or cultural or religious context you might come from, is somehow faced that duality and having to find your identity in the world, living in you know with feet in different communities or different different mm-hmm. parts of our lives. You know, it reminds me of the, and I don't know if this is apocryphal, so I'm going to apologize for, to our listen, listeners who are devout historians on the line, but presumably there was a dialogue between Golda Meir, who was the uh, Prime Minister of Israel at the time, and Henry Kissinger, who uh, was Secretary of State in the 1970s, and I think uh, Prime Minister Meir was frustrated by Kissinger's kind of uh, not being completely pro-Israel in the way that she would, that she would have liked. And he said, listen, Golda, I am an American first, a diplomat second, and a Jew third. Mm. And, you know, and, and of course, many of you probably know that the, the, the anecdote that, you know, Golda Meir then says, well, okay, that's, that's fine, Henry, because in Hebrew we lead, we read, you know, right to left. Mm. But putting aside the, the, the joke, you know, sometimes I think, Yochavid, you're forced to, separate out those elements of self because you just to relate to the world in a practical way. Ellie, how have you navigated that in your life? I mean, you're, you're an observant Orthodox Jew. You also practice law, or I presume that's a, an important part of your life. I imagine you don't always want to project your culture or religious context in your professional world. How do you navigate that and how do you navigate that for the next generation? Well, I, I do want to project that. Um, my identity is uh, – I have one identity. I don't have a fragmented uh, identity, and uh, my identity is that of a uh, Jew, a, uh, a Hasid. A Hasid is a member of a Hasidic group, a follower of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, that's my core identity. Uh, you know, everything else revolves around that. So I thought, you know, we um, – the rabbis say that – uh, is a famous um, aphorism. I, I was created to serve my master, or in other readings, I wasn't created except to serve my master. So our life is all about serving God. Uh, and we do that in different ways. It's not all about just studying and, and, and praying. It's also about providing for our families, making the world a better place. That's why God created the world, in order for us to work with this physical world and elevate it uh, and reveal godliness here in the mundane all right, two different positions on the on the table here. We're on equal footing with Dove Tuzman. You can also call in to talk to our esteemed guests, Yochavid Seidoff and Ellie Polterak, educators and activists. And today we're talking about God and the core curriculum, the challenge of secular education in traditional communities. Okay, Yochavid, I'm hearing I'm hearing two different positions here. You're saying, if I hear you right, that we we have at least it seems we have fragmented identity. There are many many elements of self as a child as we're gr- growing up. Our religious context, our educational context, our cultural context, our racial context, our ethnic context, whatever. And there's a synthesis that goes on. 
Ellie, I'm hearing you saying you don't need a synthesis. You, 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 you start from one thing. In your case, you're, you're a Jew. And everything emanates from that. So what synthesis is needed? You, have it, you, you know, call that out? Well, I, I think that I think that fragmentation is an illusion. I think mm-hmm. that the um, there is a unified identity. I agree on that point. The question is, what supports that identity? What allows that identity to actually flourish in a way in which the individual doesn't feel fragmented? And I think that there is an impulse within traditional communities to therefore weed out those things that might challenge the core identity to keep that core identity pristine in a sense and i'm i'm sort of and i'm sort of pushing on that and saying i don't actually believe that that creates a synthesized identity i think that actually ultimately creates more fragmentation i forgot to give the number our number is 718 718- Three zero three nine zero nine zero. That's seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero to call in, ask, challenge, dialogue with our esteemed guests Ellie Polterak and Yochevet Sidov, talking about God and education. And we're going to continue to to dive in. You can also text your question if you're shy about being on air. If you want to remain anonymous, nine one seven four two eight four zero six two is the number to text a, a question in. Now, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, all over the news right now. May her memory be a blessing. I think no matter where you sit in the political spectrum, we can agree that. Uh, well, even as 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 I, I think it was the 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 White House even said to to make a comment somewhat you know politically ecumenical that that uh, she lived a great American life. I mean, it was the the essence of what I think this country is about: the ability to to go from what you know. From nothing to the mountaintop, right? To she to uh, to influence generations. She wasn't an observant Jew by her own admission. Yes, there's the famous. Maybe we'll get to it in the show. The story of 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 the Supreme Court convening on Yom Kippur and her discussion with Chief Justice Rehnquist about that. Maybe we'll, we'll get there. But I think for her, she was kind of on, in that Henry Kissinger school. I am first an American, you know, second a a, a Chief Justice. So. I'm struggling to understand here how you can actually have um, – I guess I'm agreeing with you to some degree, Ellie. Um, how, how you can acknowledge, even if it's illusory, as you put it, Yochevet, fragmentation of self. Don't you just have to choose – and we're going to get into how that affects the curriculum – don't you have to choose what you are primordially? Don't you have to just decide, okay – the first thing we're going to study is our religion, or the first thing we're going to study is not. We're going to study, you know, general education and humanistic studies. But they do come into conflict, and you know, there are conflicts. You know, creationism versus evolution, for example, is a classic conflict in secular versus religious education. So you have a, it. It may it may be that the fragmentation is is illusory, but. Don't you have to ju- don't you have to put a marker down? Don't you have to say we are a religious school and we are a religious school rooted in this background? Otherwise, everything gets confusing. Oh, absolutely. I think that we each have a lens, right? That we look at the world, that we make decisions around, that we filter our own sense of right and wrong, or divine sense of what's right and wrong, or moral sense. So, I definitely think that there's 
there is a, a sense of like who am I in answering that um, my my point is though to say like what what helps us define that how broad are those boundaries you know someone like Ruth Bader Ginsburg you know Ellie might argue well she, she her Jewish identity wasn't front and center but I think anybody who judges justly and who lives a life of of morality and in service those are very Jewish ideals or those are very morally infused ideals and so I don't see a contradiction there Ellie isn't there a contradiction though and how, how can you be a jurist in the highest court and put your religion first um First, I just like to preface by uh, saying, although I didn't agree with Ruth Bader Ginsburg on just about anything, uh, I have a tremendous admiration and respect for her. She was certainly one of the greatest jurists in American history. Uh, as far as her Jewish identity, I think, uh, unfortunately, she's a, she was a product of a certain milieu of uh, assimilationist um, uh, American uh, jury, which is unfortunate, but you can't judge her for that but as far as the tension between uh being a judge on the highest court and being religious i think a better um uh justice to look at uh for uh, to to examine for that um uh question is justice scalia who was a very devout catholic uh and he did not uh it didn't interfere in any way with his being uh, a very one of the greatest supreme court justices ever um you know he 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 uh, he spoke about how his uh, religion and, and worldview informed his uh, quest for justice and his uh, uh, role as a judge, but he didn't allow it to actually uh, interfere with his, for example, on abortion. Um, he was um, going to bring that up. Right. He was against Roe v. Wade for textual, constitutional, originalist uh, reasons. But on the other hand, there are many Catholics who say that, well, abortion is unconstitutional. We should ban abortion just by dint of the Constitution, Supreme Court should hold abortion unconstitutional. And Scalia opposed that vehemently. We're going to come right back after the break, and we're going to dig into how this affects the curriculum, actually what gets taught in the classroom. You're on equal footing with Dove Tuzman, our great guests, Ellie Polterak and Yochevit Seidoff, activists, educators, thinkers, in the religious world, our number here is not, is uh, 718 for calling in live, 718-303-9090. And if you want to text a question, either by name or anonymously, that's 917-428-4062. We'll be right back. It's everywhere I look, from Las Vegas to right here. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skin care surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live 
or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. You're back on Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman. The topic for today is God and the Core Curriculum, the Challenge of Secular Education in Traditional Communities. Ellie, Yocheved, we, were ta- we, were, we went pretty broad, right? We were talking about the Supreme Court, the issues of the moment, Justice Ginsburg's passing. Let's, let's bring it back to the curriculum. Let's bring it back to what happens in the, in the classroom. I... And, and, and this is not a Jewish show, to be clear. We happen to be three Jews here in the studio, so our context around this question of religious and secular education is obviously seen through that prism. But it's applicable all over. I mean, I used to live in Park City, Utah, and you know, I was surrounded by a wonderful Mormon community and was actually pretty amazed at the way that community juggled the the secular and the religious education uh, before them. We had an opportunity, Ellie, uh, a couple of days ago before the show uh, to talk, actually make reference to the 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 Mormon community. And, and you said, you know, which I think is correct, that, that maybe, you know, the, the graduate school level, you see more diversity, but most uh, practicing Mormons end up at a, at a couple universities that are Mormon universities, like BYU, for example. So there are these separate tracks. But when you're in secondary education, elementary education, those tracks get much more fused. I mean, there are you've seen an opening of charter schools and religious schools uh, in terms of what's what's kind of allowed and funded for through public coffers uh, in this in the, in the United States. But in general, there is a core curriculum. There are certain things there are certain things that that can and cannot be said in the classroom uh, to maintain teachers' licenses in most states. Yocheved, what do you do? You've run a school in a traditional community in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and I'm sure you've had parents that have had very divergent perspectives on what goes on in a particular classroom. What do you do when when the secular and the the secular world, as accepted here in the United States, meaning the, the core curriculum at a certain at a certain age cohort, clashes explicitly with religious doctrine? Well, I think in choosing to go to a religious school, um, there is a very clear vision and mission that the the primary um, compass is the the religious um, frame. So anything that would outright contradict with that um, would not be included. But that does not include, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, science, world history, geography. Um, penmanship, so many skills that would be defined as quote-unquote secular that really can just nourish a learner and give them tools for being in this world. In the instance where there's like real um, contradiction, you find uh, religious schools that exclude certain curriculum or find ways in which to talk about it within a Jewish frame. So, for example, my son is at a yeshiva high school, a religious high school, and they are learning about evolution, which is a topic that many religious schools will mm-hmm. not go near. But they will teach it within a frame of, well, this is how it can still make sense 
within, you know, a perspective of, of creationism or this is what the world believes and this, but we, we don't believe it. So there's still an awareness and um, an understanding, but it's within the frame of this belongs to us and this is, this is part of a world in which you belong to. So are you saying that, cr- that evolution is taught as, hey, listen, this, this is something that is out there? That there's a school, there's a, a body of people, maybe most people, that that buy into the the concept of 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 the the way that species evolve, and that the world is in fact you know billions of years old, and but that's not our like I'm, we're teaching it to you so you know it, but we don't believe it. Is that well, how I, your kids are being taught? I think you'll see the range of like we're not going to touch this at all, like we're not going to even go there or. This exists, and this actually is how we can make sense of it. Like, there's Jewish thought about how it can actually make sense. Or this is what other people believe, and we don't believe it. But I wonder, if you don't touch it, what happens when they go out into the world and they learn about it? And then instead of feeling like, I had an opportunity to understand. Like, that's like the the fragmentation versus unity. Like, instead of having an opportunity to understand it within the framework of my school, my community, I've had to discover it on the quote-unquote outside, and now I'm wondering what else has been held for me. Ellie, did you get through Columbia Law School without learning evolution or biology? Well, uh, biology doesn't come in very useful in law school. Uh, (laughs) I think uh, Talmudic studies are a far better background. Fair point. (laughs) But seriously speaking, you went through yeshivish, for those listeners who don't know what that means, a very traditional religious Jewish educational system, which you you referred to Talmudic studies. There's a lot of debate in there. There's a concept. Actually, we do that on this show, right? The, the dialectic thesis and this, this synthesis. You did probably a lot of debating and linguistically you were, you, 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 you were, um, you know, you were probably you know, reading a lot. Sure. Uh, but math and science, I mean, did you have good math and science education growing up? No. Um, I mean, I, I just want to – I think there's a misconception um, out there that's unfortunate that um, this whole issue of secular studies in uh, Jewish schools is about insularity or uh, shielding children, as Yochavid was uh, talking about, from things that could uh, contradict faith. I think it's really a pretty minor issue as far as things that are in tension with uh, religious tenets. The, the the broader issue is what the purpose of the education is and what uh, skills children come out with. Um, so first, I think the main purpose of education, as the Lubavitcher uh, always stressed, is uh, creating a moral, upstanding citizen. That that's number one before anything else, before reading, writing, anything. Um, and on top of that, uh, the the primary purpose, the secondary uh, purpose of education is creating the skills necessary uh, for whatever you want to do in life uh, to excel, uh, whether it's critical uh, thinking skills, writing skills, reading skills. And I think the actual subject matter is really a very distant third in terms of, you know, how much do you remember what you learned in uh, fifth grade in terms of science? Or well, I have that wonderful <laughs> app on Alexa that's like, you know, tests your, your knowledge as, a, I don't remember whether it's a fifth grader or a third grader, so I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably more up to speed with my fifth grade studies now and during the pandemic than I was in fifth grade. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we learn, but we do uh, have this, we gain the skills going through school that we then apply, and, and, you know, we go through life learning all the time. So I think it's much more important to focus on the, the skills you want to uh, teach children 
rather than uh, the, the subject matter. So you were asking about my experience in law school. Uh, I think what we're, I did struggle a little bit at the beginning with writing because we did less of that at Yeshiva. I think that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I think something Yeshiva should stress more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, you know, the skill sets that I learned in Yeshiva played very, very, I mean, it just, it really jives very closely with um, the Socratic method and everything you learn in law school. I'm going to try to get a yes or no answer out of the, out of you here, though, counselor. <laughs> did you, <Good> luck. <laughs> in your prior to, to graduate school even, did you ever learn about evolutionary biology? My parents are both scientists, so I kind of grew up hearing about science all day. My father's a physicist and my mother's a biophysicist. So, so outside of the classroom yeah. you did? Yeah. Got it. We're going to come back to that. We have a couple of callers. Thank you for patiently waiting. Barry, you are on the line with Yochevit Seidoff and Ellie Polterak, and we're talking about God and the core curriculum. How are you doing tonight? Barry, can you hear us? Oh, yes, yes. I, I apologize. Yes, hello. Hi. Good evening. And Shana Tova. And uh, uh, I, to, I wanted to ask you, uh, Ellie, and forgive me, I don't, I don't remember your last name, so I'm just going to call you by your first name, although we're not acquainted. Um, uh, and that is... Oh, can you hear me okay? Yep, we hear you. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, and that is, I'm curious... You've talked, uh, you know, very glowingly about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, although you said you don't agree with her decisions, generally, and you seem to, I would say, uh, you know, not, not speak glowingly about her because of her being an assimilated Jew, uh, but I, I'm curious then, what, what, do you, what do you admire about her? Because you, you say she's a great jurist, so I'm curious to know, you know, what is it exactly that you do like about her? Ellie, good evening. What do, you, what do you like about RBG? Thanks for the question, Barry. <laughs> Thank good, you. Good evening, Barry, and Shana Tova to you as well. Uh, Thank you. What do I like about Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Well, I mean, uh, you know, Justice Scalia was just about the most conservative justice on the court, that he was best friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, so there must be a lot to like about her. But uh, specifically, you know, I admire her consistency, her intellectual firepower. Uh, I actually admire her much more than the so-called moderate justices who kind of are wishy-washy. Uh, she really had uh, very strong convictions, and she fought for her convictions, and she was very consistent, you know, and um, she was really a great jurist, respected by everyone uh, across the spectrum, the political spectrum. We're going to take another caller in a moment. You can call in to ask your question live on the topic of God and the core curriculum, the challenge of secular education in traditional communities. Our number is 718-303-9090. And you can also text a question if you're shy about being on the air at 917-428-4062. Okay. Yochavid, while we were talking here, I pulled up some of the, the documentation around licensure for being a teacher in public schools uh, here in, in New York City. And as you know, you probably know way better than I do. There's state, right? There's, I'm sure, federal, but there's definitely state and city regulations around this stuff as education is very localized in the United States. And I'm always troubled by the hypo- hypocrisy troubles me in general. In education, it's particularly uh, insidious because you're effectively, even by osmosis, teaching a child that 
it's okay to hold two competing you know, points of view that that are hypocritical, even if you don't say it out loud. Kids are incredibly smart, and I know my eight-year-old, you know, gets things sometimes that I wish she wouldn't. <laughs> that in licensure, that there's the teaching of religion. Okay, so I'm I'm just I'm reach I'm reading directly from the New York State, excuse me, New York City guidelines, Board of Ed guidelines, uh, around the the teaching it, it, it although it is allowed to teach about religion in public schools in a neutral and secular manner manner school administrators teachers and parents should be cognizant of the inherent dangers of bringing religion into the classroom it goes on to basically give you all sorts of guardrails mm-hmm. that to summarize mean that teachers cannot comment on anything intrinsic about the religion. They can comment historically that such and such a person lived at such and such a time or such a state acknowledged this religion or didn't, but there's it, the teaching about religion is way more regulated than the teaching of religion. Hmm. And so how, why, why should that be allowed? I mean, wh- why should a child be able to have, in a religious school, a teacher infuse their personal opinions, exclude, like we were talking about, core areas of science, for example, not touch it. I'm not saying your school did this. I'm just saying this does happen. Not touch a topic. Um, effectively, you know, make make decisions about what a child is going to be exposed to in their life, where when it comes to the very basis of the school's existence, religion, the other way around, you're not allowed to critique. Isn't that built-in hypocrisy? Well, I think it comes down to tax paying dollars and where the financial support is and, and separation of church and state. And that, you know, um, religious schools, parochial schools are essentially private schools that are supported mm-hmm. by parents and, and they, and with their dollars are making active choices. And so I think, you know, on a state level and on a public school level, there's a lot, you know, with separation of church and state, it's, it's a lot more murky. I mean, I definitely wish that there you know, Ellie mentioned the Lubavitcher Rebbe and, and his advocacy for a moment of silence. I, I think a moment of silence at the very least, you know, um, spirituality, meditation, things like this should absolutely be in the public school setting. You know, whether you want to call it religion or not, the sense of um, a moral compass is is extremely important in education. Religious schools, I think there's a flip question, which is should the state then have any say in what happens in those schools. And you have a lot of advocacy right now around parochial schools that are not um, providing even basic secular studies in more uh, insular Jewish communities. And can the state then get involved in forcing those schools to um, teach secular studies? And there's a lot of energy around that conversation right now and a lot of advocacy for and against. Um, I think that it does get tricky. I think it does get tricky. Um, I think that there's a sense of, you know, how f- there's a fear around how far in will this will the government reach into our communities if we if we give them an inch. Mm-hmm. And I think that that fear triggers a lot of um, fears that people in general have in insular communities about what happens with encroachment on their identity. So. I it think is, it is tricky. It is, I, yeah, I think it's tricky, and 
But maybe we should, you know, turn to, to the turn uh, the legal counsel. The conser- there, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, and, and the conservative uh, lawyer in the room. So what is the reach so, of the state, Ellie? Like, so Ellie, <laughs> just complete separation. So I mean, you, you should be able to have a religious school. Forget about the denomination. You should be able to have a religious school that doesn't teach basic math and science. That maybe doesn't even teach English. I mean, if if if. You have parents that are paying for it. It's not coming out of the public time. They're paying their property tax, their school taxes, and whatever, but they're deciding to pay separately for their kids' education. Ellie, do you think – I mean, there are Supreme Court justices that do believe this, that there should be no interference, no guidelines, no guardrails, no protections around that what, chi- what that child learns? No, I think uh, parents have the intrinsic right to raise children the way they see fit as long as it's not you know, abusive uh, – and any, uh, they can raise them with any uh, religious beliefs, ideologies, and they can choose the way their children are educated. Uh, do we really want the state to, to take the role of parents and be making educational decisions about our children? Is that something you'd be comfortable with? I don't think so. Uh, and I, I'd actually take issue with the premise. I mean, firstly, uh, the phrase separation of church and state doesn't appear anywhere in the Constitution. It's a judge-made uh, law that uh, it's very questionable to begin with. Uh, and the fact that uh, that our tax dollars only pay for secular public schools is really unfair to those of us who are religious who pay taxes and mm-hmm. our children attend religious schools. Right, because we're actually paying taxes yeah. in the public school system right. too. Mm-hmm. This is this is dicey. I get a lot, but we the, the board is lit up right now, so we, something must be going. We must have had something controversial. Uh, all right, we very very patiently we've had James waiting online too. James, welcome to Equal Footing. Hello, I think. The school system and the society under these increasingly restrictive uh, COVID shutdowns. And uh, my being James, we're having James. If, if you're listening, if you can call back. We had some audio difficulties. Oh, we are having audio difficulties. I hope I hope you can hear us. I have some audio difficulties here in the studio. All right, there we go. James, I apologize uh, if you want to call back. We had some difficulty with your line. We're going to pick up a patient caller from line five. Hi, you're on the air. Uh, hello. Hi, welcome to Equal Footing. This is Stan from Forest Hills. How are you? Stan, good, good to hear you. I, I apologize, Stan. Last week, I, I think uh, we lost you on the switchboard. I'm glad to hear your voice. And there, we've lost Stan again. We are having a difficult time. James, let's see if we can get James back on the line. You know, while we're trying to figure out what's going on here on the uh, on the switchboard, I'm just going to fire the question that I wanted to fire at you earlier, Ellie. Isn't the extreme of what you said that let's take – from our context, meaning our context, listen, we're three Jewish people sitting in a room, but what we're talking really here is a, is really a universal issue in a democracy, right, about, you know, to what extent, where are the boundaries of the basic guidelines of education versus certain communities that want to teach their own reality, let's call it, or their own world, their own version of reality. So in our community, broadly speaking, the Jewish community, the, the there are Satmar schools, there are schools that, that, are, that are from a certain area, kind of a certain group of, of observance, where the or English is sometimes not taught at all or very secondary, and it's where Yiddish is the primary language of instruction. 
Now, for some reason, that doesn't get a lot of press. I think it's very interesting. Whereas, you know, I, I, there's lots of. Can you imagine if we had a school, let's say, in Louisiana, that was just teaching, you know, Cajun? I mean, I don't think there are any, but like, should, should that be allowed? I mean, there should should there be a school where someone can is born in the United States, graduates from high school, is 17 years old, and can barely speak English? Firstly, I don't think it's just Satmar. I mean, the schools I went to... It's an example. Have, yeah, I yeah. mean, the schools I went to didn't have any secular studies at all either. You speak pretty good uh, English, though. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, that, that really it goes back to what we started with at the beginning of the show about uh, identity. Um, the whole, what makes America such a great country is that unlike other countries where they require you renounce your personal identity to be a Frenchman or uh, any other uh, uh, European old world type of country where the, the blood and soil were primary in, in, in uh, identifying with that particular country and the culture. Uh, in America, the, the, ident- the American identity is primarily about individualism and being able to actualize your ideals, your values, your religion, so, uh, yeah, that's that's as American that's as okay apple pie. Yeah, that's okay with you. Yeah, grows up Cajun. You know, they're speaking Cajun. They have their school. Great. But the premise of what you're saying is that they can't grow up to be like a, a, a strongly identified like Jew or Hasidic Jew unless they're only learning um, things of their faith. Like, who's to say that a Satmar person learning how to write their name? Um, learning basic math, being able to fill out an application, having basic job skills is going to in any way um, jeopardize their Jewish or Hasidic identity. I, I think that that um, assumption, and I think it's a faulty assumption, is at the core of so much pain in these kind, in these communities because you, you hear from people who've grown up there who are frustrated. They are frustrated because they cannot fill out an application. They cannot get a basic job unless it's within the system, within their own community, within. And so, you know, I wonder at what point do we say that doesn't work? You know, if, if, if so many people are coming out of a community and they're not, and they don't have the tools to live a basic life where they have the freedoms of, of, of being an, an upstanding independent citizen, and are we actually doing a service? And who says that in any way jeopardizes their Jewish identity? I can't wait to hear your response to that, Ali. We're going to come right back on equal footing. Thanks for the patience for those of you waiting on the line. Our number is 718-303-9090. And you can also text a question at 917-428-4062. We have a couple of good questions in by text as well. We'll be right back. Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? Or a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines? Or maybe you're a parent trying to keep your family's medical records up to date. Well, welcome to DocuVax, an easy-to-use digital locker accessible on your laptop or smartphone that allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information, including immunization records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs. 
Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records or sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from flu and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to blood type and allergies. To sign up, go to www.docuvax.com or call 833-859-1933. For as little as $9.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And as a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, blood tests, or anything else in your locker. DocuVax medical data is never accessible unless the individual subscriber wants to share it privately using a proprietary QR code-based system that keeps data secure at all times. So put an end to worrying if you or someone you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file and sign up at DocuVax.com. And if your organization is interested in learning about becoming a DocuVax sponsor to get group discounts, please call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. Operators are standing by. All right, we're back on equal footing, talking about God and the core curriculum, the challenge of balancing secular education in the religious world. We're gonna we're gonna take callers in a minute. We have a, a text question that relates to what Yochevet uh, left us there with right before the break, uh, Ellie. This is George from Chicago. It's a disgrace that you could graduate from high school without basic math curriculum. How can that be an American ideal? Um, well, you, you said you did say before the break, Ellie, mm-hmm. that that's, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what America, I, we were talking about the fact that a school could, could primarily do instruction in Yiddish and maybe not do basic math and sciences. That what they, that's what they choose. And you're referring to that freedom in a certain sense of being at the essence of um, what America is about. Yeah, well, it's not about the graduating from high school without math. Uh, it's about the parents being able to choose and craft the education that their children receive, the kinds of schools they send their children to. Uh, that's certainly at the core of, of, of what America is all about. And uh, if I could just go back to what Yochavid was saying, um, I, I think we, it's very important to distinguish between what the government requires us to do and, or, should, or can or should require us to do and what we ourselves should be doing. That's a totally separate conversation um, in terms of whether our schools could be doing better. We can talk about that, but that's really – it's important to distinguish that because just because we should be doing something better does not follow that the, it's the government's right to compel us to do it better. Uh, I would also want to point out that there's a distinction between education and cultural insularity, which is really a separate issue altogether. Um like I said, I, I grew up in the Lubavitch community. I went to schools where I did not have secular education, but we didn't have a ver- uh, cultural insularity at all. We were, you know, involved in outreach, uh, so I, I, I didn't have those issues. I didn't really um, feel that frustration that Yochavitz talking about. But I, I'd also say, in, the, in defense of the Samer community, uh, my first job out of law school, I was in-house counsel in a company in Williamsburg uh, that was uh, run, and uh, most of the employees were from the Sotmer community. They were very successful, well-adjusted. Uh, they're successful in business. They were philanthropists. 
wonderful people and upstanding citizens. So it works for them. Uh, you know, there may be some issues on the margins that need to be addressed, but I don't think uh, the heavy hand of government is the way to do it. All right. Well, we're going to give James a chance. Who's back on the air? James, I'm sorry we had that audio difficulty before. What do you think? Well, I just want to say that a world under biometric control is a world where faith is less and less the coin of the realm, so that the sensation of being in a supermarket, for instance, uh, a quote from uh, St. Augustine came to mind in which he mentions a painted loaf of bread. He cannot be free from hunger who licks a painted loaf of bread and does not buy it from the man who has a real one, here talking about the felicity, happiness, which the Romans worshipped as a goddess, but uh, it was a, uh, a painted idol, and it was like a false uh, pursuit. And that can be like what we go about doing, uh, where faith is not the basic coin of the realm anymore. I think this applies to like the, the nursing homes, where the old person goes in, you can't visit them, and you can't even get an answer on the phone. You know. So, are you saying, are you saying, James, that the false idol is secular education in your analog? Hmm. I would say it is just the idea of faith being a basic coin of the realm, and if it doesn't feel like it's there, everything that, like the money that you use, either credit or, or currency, uh, it. It doesn't seem to be real. You don't know what's going to come from using it, basically. Hopefully it'll be good. Usually it is. But I don't know how long it can last where we're just going to be under control like robots almost with this, uh, the COVID restrictions and so forth. And did you hear about those suspicion activity reports out of Treasury? Trillions and trillions of dollars are being laundered by respectable banks from drug cartels, human traffickers, people parking their money here and in James, Wyoming. I, I'm going to interrupt you for a second, although I, I love the state of Wyoming, so I want to hear more about that. But uh, just to to reflect, the, and, and I appreciate your, your, your call and your insight, James. What, part of what I was getting there, you'll have it from that caller – was about illusion, and you talked earlier about whether and I'm, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but mm-hmm. that the fra- this whole fragmentation that's almost at the core of this conversation, mm-hmm. this the, the, the presumed duality right. that is at the basis of this show of God and the core curriculum right. assumes that they're different, assumes that t- teaching about God is different than teaching about the core curriculum, and. James, talking about broader subjects in education there, was also talking about kind of the illusion and what's real. So I want to come back to that. Mm -hmm. Is is the whole premise of this show wrong? I mean, does there have to be a difference between teaching about God and teaching the core curriculum? Um, I don't really think so. I think that with sensitive educators who um, have a nuanced perspective of this world, that almost everything can fall under the the umbrella of God's world and how can we become better people. I mean, obviously there are things that are inappropriate to teach young children. I'm not saying that like everything is there's, um, but I I don't really I don't I don't really see the division. No, I think it really comes down to the the vision and the compass of the school and the educators, and I think that the materials um, sh- can only support that if that's clear. 
Well, we have a text question. It's a great segue. You'll have it. I feel like I want to uh, conscript this person. This is an anonymous texter, but I'd like to uh, conscript this person to a researcher on the show because you guys are ready for this. Okay. So the person starts, this is, this is anonymous, uh, L.A. area code, but anonymous, uh, and commenting to, to start with uh, saying that he or she wish, wishes that they had come to religion later in life. Hmm. Okay. And then it says, according to a 2015 global survey by Gallup International, that the most religious people in general have uh, lower levels of education. And an EU survey finds a positive correlation between leaving school early and believing in God. I'm going to repeat that. An EU, I assume that means European Union, survey finds a positive correlation between leaving school early and believing in God. Hmm. Does that trouble you, Ellie? That means the more educated you get, the less likely you are to believe in God. The more you turn off the educational spigot, the more you're likely to believe in God. I don't think you can draw a causation there. Let's, <laughs> let, by the way, let's, uh, you're a lawyer, so I have to be very careful. Let's presume, because I know before you did that, <laughs> you did that. I don't agree with the premise, right? Yeah. Let's presume that the premise is correct. Let's presume that survey was done correctly, statistically, analytically, and that there is that positive correlation that the text question tech questioner re- mm-hmm. refers to, and that it is true that the higher education, that, that the, if you leave school school early, let me not exaggerate what it said. If you leave school early, you're more likely to believe in God. Does it trouble you? Was it that you're more likely to believe in God if you leave school early, or that you're more likely to leave school early if you believe in God? It so says an EU survey finds a positive correlation between leaving school early and believing in. Oh, I forgot the word A and believing in A God. <laughs> so right, so correlation <laughs> does not equal causation, as we know. So. Okay. Um, but, Tear uh, it apart. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I can only speculate. I haven't seen the study, uh, but I possibly, you know, uh, Europe is not very uh, religion friendly. Right. Even uh, all the issues we've been discussing here are much more, uh, 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 they're, they're much more difficult to deal with in Europe for nav- as far as religious schools and navigating uh, regulations. Um, they they try to control the schools much more. The European governments. Um, so it stands to reason that uh, children from religious families, uh, their parents would uh, withdraw them from the schools uh, earlier, uh, or they themselves mm-hmm. might not feel comfortable in that saying. environment, in, in a very militantly mm-hmm. secular environment where their beliefs are undermined. And, you are separating causation and correlation there. That's 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 an important point. Yochavid, what do you think? Does that trouble you? I, I think you know. I'm just keep on thinking about that Pink Floyd song. You know, we don't we don't need no education. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's about religious schools aside. Schools in general, across the board, are really about conditioning kids and socializing kids. Right. And, and that's a sad reality, that most schools and the way the education system is built, it's not about self-exploration and asking big questions. Who am I? Is there a God? Um, what is my passion, my purpose in this world? It is about learning stuff more mm-hmm. and, and passing tests and fitting into, you know, pretty narrow boxes of what success is so on some level i think yeah like the longer people can be in that system of indoctrination you know the the more the less likely perhaps that they really have that time and space to really explore those kinds of 
big ideas around, you know, is there a God in this world and who am I? And you guys have both made it clear. One common ground you have found here in this conversation is that the parents are making a choice. And that is a role as you know, custodians, as guardians that we have as parents. And you may not always agree with the choice. In America, we don't always agree with each other's choices. But as long as they're not hurting others through those choices, that's part of, it is part of what what freedom is about in this country. We are going to take a, uh, the, the call from Stan, who got cut off when we had those audio difficulties. And then we're going to take one more break and come back. And Yocheved and Ellie, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to... Take the opposite point of view. Try to try to convince each other. So I, and it's, I'm stylizing this. I'm going to style this. But, Ellie, in that sense, if you could think about what would be the most convincing argument for having a rigorous core curriculum that would universally apply to all kids, no matter what religion and, and background. And Yocheved, again, I'm stylizing, but what would be the strongest argument you would bring to bear that there should be no standards? Literally, that we should have no guardrails and parents should decide. So food for thought. Stan, I love you. You've been very patient. Sorry about the audio difficulties. How's it going? Hello. Hi, Stan. <laughs> again, we try it again. <laughs> try it again. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, three, three places of Jewish education, Jewish Theological Seminary, Yeshiva University, and the Hebrew College of New York, three major Jewish institutions of learning, who also teach some form of a liberal education, so that one can survive in the real world. Okay, the Jewish Theological Seminary produces rabbis. It also produces doctors, lawyers, but it produces religious people who also may not become, want to become rabbis and so forth. But in through the education, the curriculum, there is some form of dealing with the world as it is. And and, the, and, and all three colleges do that. So, and the lady, uh, I don't know her name, I'm sorry, she is correct that the, as we go to the younger, the elementary education and the junior and so forth, it is more indoctrination and strictness into the religion mm-hmm. and so forth, which then leads them maybe not to go to these institutions, mm-hmm. which they may not want to go. They're taught specific religious education, which is what they want them to do. And we see the results of that, and a great example of that is this pandemic. One has to be educated to understand what's going on. And we see in the Orthodox community, not all, I mean, some are, the, I don't know if it's ignorance or unintelligence or don't understand or don't read, but just listen to the rabbi, do this, don't go, come here, we got to go. This is an education problem. I think, that, I mean, I'm, thousands have died maybe because they didn't understand, didn't get a chance to read the New York Times or the New York Post. Maybe they were told not to read it. That bothers me. Stan, it's, it, it, the, the way you put that bothers me, too. It's part of the genesis of the show. And also, there's it's complex, as, as we've Absolutely. seen. Today. I really appreciate the question. We just we're going to run out of time. Of course. Yeah. No. Thank you for the call, Stan. You have Absolutely. it in very quickly. How would you? Because you, you brought this up before, and I know it's dear to your, to your heart. Can we reassure Stan somehow that this is being addressed, at least in the Orthodox Jewish community? This 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 issue of getting to us, you know, basically being certain paths being blocked in a sense to you in the secular world as a result of lack of certain basic. Uh, Educational I mean, there's lots of advocacy right now in the, in the Orthodox Jewish community around 
education reform and and um, you know more child centered education, um, differentiated education, special education, secular studies. I, I think you know the the question of how do we make schools better, like Ellie mentioned, is 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 a question that people everywhere are asking and facing. So, you know, you know, being being in the trenches for ten years in, in that conversation, I definitely saw many, many, many educators across the spectrum of community who are so committed and devoted to making it better for our kids. Okay. Well, we're going to be right back on equal footing for our last segment, God and the Core Curriculum. Have you been looking for an auto body and repair shop you can trust in the Catskills region? Whether you've been in an accident or need an affordable mechanic for brakes, tires, or alignments, Liberty Collision will always give you a fair price, reliable estimate, and on-time service. Conveniently located in Liberty, New York, and serving Sullivan, Orange, Ulster, and Delaware counties, Liberty Collision will pick up and drop off your vehicle and works with all major insurance companies. Call 845 845- 2920977 and let the Liberty Collision team take care of you. That's 8452920977. Car repairs don't have to be stressful. Liberty Collision is a family-owned business and has a five-star in CarWise because they treat you like family too. So call Liberty Collision at 8452920977 for all your auto repair needs. Ask for Keith and Mental Equal Footing for 30% off your first alignment. You're back on Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman, our guest Ellie Polterak, and Yochevit Seidov, academics, activists, topic of secular and religious education. How they how do they coexist? Ellie, you're going to take the other point of view. Core standards. There should be them. Well, I I, I certainly agree with what Yochevit was saying that uh, we uh, there's a unified uh, approach uh, to the world. We can't just separate you know religion with uh, from other knowledge, and uh, we should present uh, children with a um, uh, integrated worldview and uh, give them the options of uh, what subjects interest them and they want to explore. And I can see someone making an argument why uh, that could be uh, a right for a child to be able to have that minimum education. Got it. Well, you've moved. (laughs) (laughs) Yochevet, how would you argue for Ellie's point of view? I definitely think that having a steadfast, clear identity is, is very important. And for a family whose identity is is their religious identity, um, the decision around how their children's formative years are spent, what they're focusing on, what they're learning, is paramount and really a very sensitive private decision that um, parents ultimately should, should drive and that people ultimately can... F- learn other things along their way in their journey you know I think if they learn how to be critical thinkers like you said the the information will come glad that we found common ground <laughs> that coexistence between doctrine and freedom between religious freedom and and standards at the core of democracy 
May everyone be inscribed in the Book of Life. Happy New Year to everyone listening, whether you're Jewish or not. God bless. We'll be back on equal footing next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been caught.